out for Queen this morning. Almost put you, Queen. Hey, good morning. Lovely to be here today. Hey, thanks for just bringing such an awesome heart of worship this morning. Um, and big ups to the band. That was just a wonderful, wonderful time in his presence, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It's great feedback. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, just a wee disclaimer. The driving styles and habits of Jared Van Berkel are not necessarily the driving styles and habits of uh, Thrive Church or the leadership team or the elders or the deacons or the, I don't know, even the host team probably. <laughs> or the children. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Thank you. That was Saul, and we all know what happened to Saul. Ah, uh, anyway. <laughs> cool. Hey, can I just have some front of house lights up? That'd be awesome. Hey, um, yeah, well, we've got road cones out today, so I'm going to be talking a little about road cones and uh, butterflies and all that sort of thing. So uh, settle down and, and get ready. Say hi to your neighbor. Just, just take a moment to say, hey. Great to have them in church. Thanks for dressing up today. You look, you make me look good, maybe. <laughs> well, we're going into a really exciting uh, season here at Thrive Church, and it's um, I'm going to be uh, sharing next week actually um, a bit more about what's ahead for us. You know, things are actually going to change around here. And so um, that's really exciting because it means that God's breathing. He's doing something. There's something new uh, happening. We've got uh, like this year as well, I've had three different people come to me and say, hey, I'd like to give a day a week voluntary to thrive. And someone even said I'd like to give two days a week uh, to thrive. So God's doing something. People are catching a heart and, and expecting that God wants to use them in this church in this life, in this family, in this region, in their workplace, you know, beyond. So God's doing some um, amazing um, stuff here as well. Next week, we're going to be um, recognizing Pastor Lynn, actually, and um, her role as an assistant pastor here at Thrive Church. And so we're going to be just praying for her next week and just kind of like um, just talking a little bit more about Lynn's role. And we'll have some info available um, that you can grab at the info desk, actually, that just kind of breaks open what an assistant pastor here is at Thrive. So that's ahead as well for us. So who loves the Word of God? We're going to just um, kick this uh, message off today with um, the Word of God from Acts 7. And uh, this is the account of Moses given by Stephen to the Pharisees um, before he was actually, you know, killed. Uh, but he gave an amazing discourse of uh, the Old Testament at that time. And so we're just going to jump into Acts uh, 7 verse 20. Says this, at uh, that time Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for by his family. Then, uh, when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated uh, in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to uh, visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that, this is the key verse here, Moses thought that his own people would realize God was using him to rescue them. But they did not. Just when you thought I'd finished. Next slide. After 40 years had passed, the angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. 
He went over to get a closer look. He heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for this place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and I have come to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. Egypt. Moses' name meant to draw out. And um, this name was given to him by the Pharaoh's daughter um, when she drew him out of the water. And Moses' destiny from that moment was set on a completely different path. Uh, all the, all the, um, the children uh, of Israelites at that time were being slain. And, and so he was sent on a, in, a, in a basket and Moses' daughter drew him out and she called him Moses at that time. And so Moses was drawn out of the water in an instant, and then God spent the next 40 years drawing out his destiny and his alignment for his assignment in the wilderness. It's said in Acts 7 that Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue him, but they did not. They didn't re- he wasn't ready. He took matters into his own hands and he went and killed someone. I mean, that's just like, that's not a good day at the office. And we see Moses grow older. And, you know, and by the time he confronts Pharaoh, he is an 80-year-old man. And I want to just say from the get-go today that your assignment to be radical, to be irresistible, to be, uh, to be in the right moment at the right time has nothing to do with your age. You know, I believe that God's saying at this time at Thrive that every age is the next generation, that every age has an assignment and to step into to see the kingdom of God bring increase in our lives. And God used that 40 years in the wilderness, on this detour, in obscurity, to hone the very nature of himself into Moses. In Matthew 6, Jesus says these radical words that he actually encourages his disciples to pray. And these are dangerous words. I believe these are some of the most dangerous words that you can pray because they're setting you up for change. They're setting you up for an assignment. They're setting you up for God to literally invade the inside of our lives and bring an expansion. And these are the words. Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will, your will be done. The will of God is, is the heartbeat of his intentions for our lives, isn't it? The will, we all have wills and we're like, you know, I want to do this and I want to drag race on the way home and break the speed limit. And I, I just, I, no, your vehicle couldn't break the speed limit. We all know that. But God wants to bring his will and transpose his will onto our lives. When we invite him to say, God, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, that is a dangerous prayer right there, folks, because something is going to change. God's going to start putting the road cones out around your life and he's going to start doing something radical. He's going to start bringing an enlargement and a shift and he's going to start bringing a work in your lives. When we, uh, when we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, there's a posture that we actually adopt in that, and that is the posture of surrender. 
That is the posture of submission. That is the posture that says, you know, I just want to, I just want to lay it down. You know, I just want to lay my life down. I just want to lay my will down. I want, I want something bigger. I want to be a part of something bigger. So we uh, surrender our will to a greater kingdom and, um, and a greater will, and that is the will of the Father. Come on. You know, when you're uh, navigating road cones on the road, I mean, who loves Rangiora at the moment? Every turn you see these little darlings, they are absolutely everywhere. But when you're navigating road cones, you, knew that you, you usually need to slow down, change down a gear. You know it's going to get bumpy. You know that uh, you, you're probably going to end up going in a little bit of a deviation or a different direction, and it's going to take a little bit longer to get to, to, to where you want to go. You know, who, who loves this roundabout out here? I mean, the, the light's going in there. That's going to be uh, amazing when it happens. Uh, but, my gosh, the big circuit that you've got to do, big in Rangiura scale, is not really that big. But anyway... <laughs> That extra 30 seconds is a killer. <laughs> yeah, I'll never get it back. That's right. You know, um, recently I removed a road cone that was out the front of our house. It had just turned up out there, and we've got this kind of uh, electric box out the front, and it had just been put in there. And I just, you know how there's those things that you just kind of see, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I, that's one of those around to it, so I'll, get, I'll, I'll, remo- I'll move that one day. And the more I saw it, the more irritated I got with it. So I took the road cone uh, one day, and I put it in my vehicle, and I went and... Um, I went and placed it with some of its friends at another intersection, um, and, and it, it, it had company and fellowship down there, and, 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 and that was cool. I got rid of that, um, I got rid of that road cone. And then um, there's roadworks happening outside printing.com, which is a business uh, that we've got here in Rangiora, and there's roadworks happening there. And then the roadworks finish, and then there's a road cone left behind out in front of my business again, and it's just sitting there. Someone's put it actually up the drive against the fence, and I'm like, what's... This is strange. What do you do? And I started just wondering over the last kind of couple of weeks, God, are you saying something about road cones? And um, then I drive into church here last week, and someone has thrown a road cone up on the front of the veranda. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but it was just like peeking out there. And I'm like, okay, that's random now. Something is up. God is doing something. And, and he's wanting to show me, wanting to show us something in this season. Because, And I believe that, that what he's saying is pretty simple, that he is, he is at work. He has got something under construction, you know, in my family and in my business and in, in our church. But this is for all of our lives. He is at work. He is the God at work. When we say, come on, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, he, he doesn't just stand there with his hands behind the back whistling it. He gets amongst it. He starts putting road cones out and starts creating detours and starts going, I want to build this person to carry something greater than themselves. I want to build this person to carry a destiny that, that is timeless, that, that matters in eternity. He starts doing and shaping our lives on a different course. And maybe it means that, that, that it just gets a bit uncomfortable, that we've just got to change down a gear and that, that, our, uh, that our will gets shaken a little bit and it gets a little bit scary and suddenly our insecurities are in front of our face because who loves change and who loves, you know, all this, a detour. It's just uncomfortable. But when we invite God in to work in our lives and we invite his will into our lives and into our destiny, he just, he won't leave us alone. 
He won't leave us alone. He, he has to get amongst it. And, and it's awesome because the Bible says that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That he who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. He is at work. Tell your neighbor that, that he is at work in your life. Come on, we need to be ones who encourage each other. And no matter what season we're in, whether it looks like we don't know where we're going, we've got to be just just like, let's just cut across all the how was your week. Oh, it was good. Let's just go to the heart and just say, I believe in you. I believe God's doing a great work in your life. Let's be our, each other's greatest encouragers here. Nothing happens by accident in his kingdom. His intentions are, are being made real in our world. So he's bringing an alignment for his assignment, and I believe at Thrive here um, that that is a season that we are in. When he draws us into a state of change, we're actually in a transition point. Moses' uh, assignment to the Pharaoh was um, to represent the will of the Father with heaven's intentions, he was to rock up to the greatest superpower in that region in that day and, and confront the powers of darkness and pro proclaim freedom over that nation. See, Moses was probably the only Israelite, this is what I think anyway, on the planet that didn't have a slave mindset. He grew up in the palace as an Israelite. He wasn't affected by slavery. He wasn't affected by a poverty mindset. He was, he was affected with, with the, the bling of the palace. He was affected by the royal privileges and by the entitlements. And, and he watched royalty give commands and, and orders being followed. So, so, you, so Moses naturally, you know, when he reacted to an injustice that happened to one of his own people, he, he just jumped into this royal entitlement and said, you can, I'm going to administer justice and you are dead. <laughs> and that's what he did because that's what he had seen done. And, and, and he, was, he just he was a man of action. But God wanted to draw his people out of slavery, not through brutality, but through, uh, through like this royal humility through a kingdom of heaven perspective, not a kingdom of this world uh, reaction. So Moses had to face some road cones. And um, as I said, you know, there was 40 years in the wilderness and God refined him and shaped him and molded him until this amazing verse in the Bible. Uh, it's Numbers 12. I think I've got it up on PowerPoint. Numbers 12 happened. And this is an interesting statement here. It says... Uh, in verse 3, now Moses was a very humble man. I don't believe he went into the wilderness a humble man. And it says that he was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's interesting, isn't it? So the most humble man on the face of the earth was entrusted with the greatest assignment on the planet from heaven, I believe, at that time. Jesus says in Matthew uh, 5 verse 3, he said, blessed are the meek. Meek is a, another word for, for humble. They will inherit the earth. The dictionary actually says meek is showing patience and humility and gentleness. See, I believe humility is surrendering our lives to God and then in Him and through Him realizing our full potential. That's what humility, I believe, is. It's humility and greatness hold hands. 
Humility and the greatness of your destiny are holding hands. You can be humble and great. Humility has the, uh, the clarity of our weaknesses and our strengths in the hands of the one who desires to make us great in accordance with his will. And that is, that's the Bible, that's Psalm 18. You know, you give me your shield of victory. Your right hand sustains me. You stoop down and you make me great. Humility embraces a realistic perspective of our weaknesses and our strengths and says, God, I give it to you. I give you all. And I believe that's what what was fashioned in Moses' life in the wilderness. Jesus said that the meek will inherit the earth. See, the earth is to become the location for the kingdom of heaven. And those who submit to the power of God and, and, and have that perspective will inherit the kingdom of God on earth. When, um, when Jesus was actually uh, speaking these words out, he was speaking to a crowd of Jews, right? And um, they'd been oppressed by the Romans for the last, uh, was it 63 years? Well, actually, no, it was probably more like 90 years because it was 63 BC and Jesus had been around for about 30 years at that point. And see, the Jews had lost their independence to the Romans at that time. They, they'd lost their freedom and they were looking to take back their land. They were looking to take back what was theirs and they were looking for a leader who would overthrow and they were going could this Jesus be the leader that is going to push back the Roman oppression and Jesus turns this uh, this methodology of taking ground on its head to them by declaring that the pathway to inherit the promised land is through a vision of humility you will inherit the earth through humility through meekness you know the violence can come later but you know humility the Father's will flows through freely through a culture of humility. Um, Jesus said, you know, it's my food to do the will of the one who sent me. He, he knew what, it, what that was the satisfaction to be in the, the will of heaven. And he was all about it. The Bible says that he lowered himself and he became humble on, on this planet so that he could minister to us in uh, Philippians. Uh, I just want to share a wee story. Uh, last week, we probably shed the most tears as a church that we have done for a long time, saying goodbye to um, Chris and Ruth uh, on, on their assignment into Arnhem Land, and it was a wonderful service. And I just uh, over the week, I was reflecting of one of the, um, the sermons that um, Chris preached, uh, one of his first sermons, actually. And the, the message was entitled, Don't Touch That Dream. And... Um, I remember Chris preached this message and and I was sitting, I don't know, around about here or over here or something like that. And, and um, you know, and he did an altar call for, for um, people who had actually f- had felt like that they were missing their dreams or that they, had, they hadn't fulfilled their, the assignment that God had called them to. Or they were disappointed about where they were at in life and God was going to bring a healing. And, and I remember that so clearly. And, and um, you know, the altar call, he, d- he gave that. And I was like, hey, God, is there, you know, is there anything in me that, um, you know, we all do that, don't we? Like, God, are you speaking to me in this moment? And um, I remember just, no, nah, 
not speaking to me. And then, apparently, he was, because I just bawled my eyes out. I just, like, the, you know, the floodgates of heaven opened up in my tear gates, and I was just, I just cried my heart out. And, um, and I cried because in that moment, um, God said to me, I want you to be, uh, like, a pastor of a church. And, um, and I was just like, wow. Really? <laughs> I've never thought that I could ever do anything like that. I was youth pastoring and loving that, and I was so highly esteemed um, pastors and leaders, and, and I just thought, you know, that is, that is another league, and I'm happy just to do what I'm doing. And, and, um, and I just, but when God touched that thing on my heart, it just broke something in me, and I saw this dream kind of came alive in me, and I was just like, I can do it. You know, when God speaks to you, like, I can actually do it. And I had this kind of like, whoa, moment. And um, it was really exciting. And then, so uh, the next thing, you know, being a guy is like, well, when can I start? You know, like, what's my assignment? I, okay, let's let's go. Let's go. I'm like, you know, I'm being called on now. And I'm like, this youth ministry is awesome. But I'm like, I want to go. And um, so I remember just kind of like, just getting really kind of, frustrated at this time and I was like God was putting road cones out and he was like you know there's a direction change here and it's and I was excited but I was also really frustrated I was frustrated for the first year I was frustrated for the second year this is like eight nine years ago now and um, Deb and I talked about it and, and Deb was a bit apprehensive about it but then we both started owning the fact that God we actually felt like that God had an assignment for us to be pastors of a church somewhere and so we'd even made some loose plans that in 2010 we might be in Australia like planning a church and like we'd just gone down that whole like God you know we were prepared to take a step of faith I remember a big pastor from a church a big church and he said to me you know you just need to step out of the boat and you just need to take a risk and and I was like, but I've done my whole Christian life by following the cloud. And, and the, you know, the cloud by day, the fire by night, as the Israelites did in the, in the wilderness, in their wilderness season, their self-inflicted wilderness season. <laughs> Not every wilderness season is self-inflicted. You know, God does take us through journeys to refine us. Like Moses was called into the wilderness and God, you know, did that work there. But they self-inflicted themselves. But anyway, God still led them through this wilderness at this time. And so something that we have um, like really adopted as a family um, is that we don't make decisions unless God is speaking, unless God is moving, unless we have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And so I know sometimes in life you do need to take a, take a step out, and there are, have been risky moments, but I've done that with a peace as well. And so Deb and I, just we just backburned the whole time church pastoring thing we were like no that's just probably you know in God's time in God's time and um, then um, Chris and Ruth went on sabbatical a couple of years ago and we were like what this feels amazing <laughs> while they were away and we we're like this is a really cool <laughs> uh, it was just like a really good fit and everything what's that honey yeah no not having them away so sorry Chris if you listen to this podcast I miss you already um, but it felt it felt right. It really felt right. And um, at that time, we had Kevin Forlong, and he's like, hey, I feel like God's doing something here. And then we Skyped Chris and Ruth, and they were like, God's speaking to us about our next step. And it was all just like boom, boom, boom. And God just lined us up for um, kind of the launch pad, really, of 
leading the church here. And um, we were like, oh, that's cool. We don't have to leave Rangiora, even though, admittedly, as a 20-year-old, I was never going to settle down in Rangiora. I was like, I'm out of this place. But I love it. It is awesome. God has got great plans. So God took us on a process of transition, just to kind of make a point out of that story. <laughs> and, and it was a long process. It was actually, he wanted to do something in us. And some of us are carrying things that have come alive and, and at a time. And through the fact that it just hasn't happened, we, we can bury it and we can block it out and, through disapp- and, and we can become disappointed. And I believe that God is calling things to life again that you may have been carrying for a long time. Uh, at, at this time. Do you know, um, I was watching a Lance Wallnau video just last night, and it was just amazing. And he was talking about the process of a caterpillar from caterpillar to butterfly. And you know, when the, the, in the chrysalis, the caterpillar goes into this chrysalis time, and basically the technical term for what the caterpillar becomes is goo. <laughs> like, you, you slice open a chrysalis, and it's just going to ooze something yuck. And, um, but it goes through that goo stage and it becomes an incredible uh, butterfly. And in that process of, that, um, of becoming a butterfly, it goes through a deconstruction stage. The caterpillar breaks down, its cells break down, and it loses its identity completely as a caterpillar. It completely loses its identity. And, and, and this is kind of like, you know, when we, when we break down, like God wants to break down the old nature in us. He wants to break down the, the old ruts that we have, have always done life through. He, he wants to challenge our default moods. And, and, you know, I used to have a negative default mood and, or, a, or an overwhelmed default mood. Any challenge in life, I would feel overwhelmed. And, and through, these, through these times of wilderness and these times of goo, we, you know, he breaks down and he invades our lives. And, and, and he wants to create and shape something in us that is new in this uh, in this season, and there's these cells in the in the caterpillar in the chrysalis that these new cells that start coming alive, and they're called imaginal cells. And these new cells they they resonate at a different frequency, and they're so different from the caterpillar. The caterpillar cells is that the caterpillar cells, uh, the, the the immune system of the caterpillar starts attacking the uh, imaginal cells, and it eats them up. I was like, no, 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 you you can't be here. We're a caterpillar. You're not gonna you're not gonna take over this thing. And so they 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 um eat them up. But the imaginal cells just continue to appear, and there's just more and more of them. And pretty soon, the caterpillar's immune system cannot destroy them fast enough. And more and more of the imaginal cells survive. And then this amazing thing happens, this little, tiny, lonely imaginal cells, they start clumping together in friendly little groups. And they actually resonate together at the same frequency, passing information to each other. And then after a while, Another amazing thing happens. The clumps of imaginal cells, they start to cluster, and ultimately, boom, they start forming a butterfly. And there's there's, there's this process of deconstruction through to a new beginning that God is bringing into all of our lives, and it's a transition process. And, And it's in that process that we can lose ourselves and then find ourselves in God and then rediscover our confidence in God. It can be a crazy time. 
But God is at work. If you say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in, in my life, he will not take his hand off you. He will not take his hand off you in that process. He will hold you close and you will grow in company and friendship and closeness with Jesus Christ. You will find the kind of assurance that you've never had or be able to give yourself on your own. In that process, you, 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 you become something that was born to fly. I've uh, recently arrived at the awesome age of 40 and... Um, I've been actually crossing the 40 milestone. I've been surprised, just being real here, at some of the thoughts I've had to push back about that age and that stage in life. You know, I know I'm being vulnerable here. You're like, I know you look so young and you're so immature. Um, some of those worldly models, you know, like you start wearing out when you, when you get older. You know, like you can't run as far because your knees might start losing their stuff. You know, this is what they said though. You know, you've just got to, you know, you've just got to kind of like watch your, your pace. Words like you're over the hill. I think I'm just being real here. And if you guys don't want to embrace this, that's fine. <laughs> but you know, we're of a greater kingdom. We are a new creation. We've got a new creation self to take a hold of. No matter what age, no matter what stage, his, his kingdom is more powerful than the kingdom of this world. Moses was 80 when he encountered God at the burning bush. And at that time, beyond that time, that was where the most radical miracles that the world just about has ever seen was released through his life as an over 80-year-old. Caleb was 85 when he inherited the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness. Come on, we're going to honor the older people. Joshua 14, he says this, I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. I mean, he is 85 and he is just as vigorous as a 40-year-old. Yeah. Do you know, um, letting disappointment remain in our lives is like having a Trojan horse within our heart and our mind, and it will destroy us from the inside out. No matter what the disappointment, no matter how justified you are about the disappointment, it will hold you and it will destroy you and consume your vision. Come on. We've got to give our disappointments up to Jesus and receive something greater than maybe a perceived lost destiny because there's every chance that your destiny is not lost, that there is fresh hope, that there is a new day. Philippians 1 verse 6, He who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Can we just have the band up? That would be amazing if... You guys are around. Let's just stand this morning. Oh, thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Father. You know, I just, um, do you know what I want to do from the get-go? I just want us to give a, I, I believe that we need to honor older people, and I don't, and I'm not saying that I'm over 40 now, I'm an older person, maybe I am, but I want to, this morning, 
I feel like that we need to honour those who feel like something has been left behind. You could be a 30-year-old and feel old today, you know, because maybe God wants to set you free and give you a youthful mindset. So I just want to do this by clapping. I know it sounds a bit weird, weird, but just like I want to honor the older people and I want to honor the assignments of God that are placed on their lives today. And so let's just put our hands together and just, just honor the older, like, yeah, let's do it. Jesus, we just honor him. If you are here and um, you are someone who does, this is going to sound a bit out there, but does not feel relevant to your world right now, you've got, you feel like you have excuses and disappointments in your life, or you feel like life is overwhelming you, then I just believe that God wants to minister to your heart right now in this place. And I just want to invite you to put your hand up because I just want to break that lie that it is over on your life off today. There's lies that just need to be unhooked and broken because God is, see, God wants to lead us somewhere together. He wants us to all go there. He doesn't want us, He doesn't want anyone to be left behind or trapped within disappointments of past stuff. He's calling every one of us to go to a new space and to a new place. And it may feel uncomfortable for you, but he is calling you up into your real self. He's calling you up to be maybe the second most humble man on the place of this planet behind Jared. <laughs> I'm going to put my hand up because I know that I've got stuff in my life that confuses the heck out of me still. And I don't know what God's doing. And I feel like, man, God, are you in control of this? Let's just surrender our lives to God because He, it's in His hands. It's in His will. Your life is the center of His will. Thank you, Jesus, right now, right across this place, Lord. We just, we just want to surrender our lives again to you, Lord, in unreserved obedience, Lord. We surrender our dreams. We surrender our disappointments, Lord. Lord, reality's lost, God, and vision eroded, Lord. We surrender that stuff, God. Lord, even age, God, where age has been an excuse for us, God, we just break that off in, in Jesus' name today, God. Lord, every, every motto of this world that says we're wearing out, Lord, we break that in Jesus' name. Any, any shame or, or that, are, that is associated with the label of Jesus Christ in our culture, we break that in Jesus' name today. We thank you that you're calling us to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not beneath, God. We thank you for headship, Lord, in our lives and in our families and in our workplace, God. And we take it today, God. We take our headship today in Jesus' name. We just give you thanks, Lord. We just release your healing love, God, over every life here today. Mm -hmm.